Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by returning guest, Timothy Cordova. Tim is a wealth of knowledge. He's a, a, a very unique guy. I'm very fortunate I, I got to meet him, I guess, probably a couple years ago now through the world of martial arts. He is, as I say during the introduction, when I start talking to him in the episode today, he is a minority, and he's an educator, and he's very educated, okay? And so he brings a, a very unique perspective on many topics, and to his credit, he's very humble. And what I mean by that is when I first talked with him, I don't think he was real familiar with the libertarian platform. Very educated guy, uh, a little bit older than me, uh, um, former military, uh, very strong convictions, but he, to his credit, has really started to learn a little bit more about the libertarian platform. And I think as you hear in the episode today, he does like a lot of the things about uh, uh, the libertarians and the liberty movement, things like that. Um, and I don't know that that, you know, not that he's going to necessarily be voting that way or anything along those lines. But I think we can come to agreement on many issues politically. Of course, he leans more to the right. Um, but... He and I both, I think in all actuality, we probably agree on most things when it comes to political issues, but very enjoyable episode because not only has he been looking into the Libertarian Party, he's been listening to a lot of my episodes and he gives me some great feedback on the episodes during the, the show today. So I really appreciate Tim joining me. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please give my referrals the opportunity to earn some of your business. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. I'm now joined on the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster by returning guest to the show, we have Timothy Cordova. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing really good. How have you been? Doing very well. Tim, you are... one of, I'd say one of my favorite guests for the Kelly Patrick Show podcast, not only... Are you a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner? You are educated. You are an educator. Um, you are a minority who has a, a unique perspective for a minority. You're, you're half Asian and half, I guess, Hispanic American. Um, so I appreciate you coming back on. How have things been for you lately? And what do you think of my introduction? Yeah, the introduction was good. Um Actually, I'm half Japanese, half Mexican. Um, yeah, other than that, I think everything's uh, pretty spot on. I do have a bunch of questions for you. I've been following some of the 
a podcast that you've had on, oh, several weeks ago, some of the libertarian candidates. And so I, I wanted to touch base with you, and I thought maybe it would be a good idea. We just air it out. And I'll ask you some questions and see where it goes. I absolutely love it, and I really appreciate your open your open-minded approach to the libertarian type of thing. So I love it. Shoot, let's hear, let's hear what you got. Okay, so uh, some people might not know, but I used to be a Democrat. I actually voted for Bill Clinton. My parents were Democrats. Uh, as a lot of people know, generally speaking, uh, most Latinos are, are Democrats, or they used to be. A lot of that's changing. Um, I switched parties. I went to the Republican Party, oh, shortly after Bill Clinton. Um, just, I have many issues with it, but uh, mostly just their, their social agenda. But uh, here recently, I've been really disgusted with uh, mostly the spending um, that's going on. So I started really paying close attention to some different libertarians. Rand Paul, probably one of my favorite uh, politicians, um, at least fiscally. And uh, I, I got a little curious about libertarian views, so I've been paying attention to some of your guests. You've had some really big uh, libertarian uh, voices on your show, um, and uh, so I, I've, I've been listening to them, and, and I got some questions. So I'm going to start out with the first one. Is uh, One of the questions I have for you is, where do libertarians in general, granted not everybody uh, you know, thinks the same, but in general, how do they feel about the topic of abortion, especially nowadays with the Supreme Court and, and all that? Great question. Of course, very divisive issue with the Supreme Court, the, the leaking from the Supreme Court that Roe v. Wade is, I guess, going to be overturned and it'll go down to the state level to determine what happens with abortion. Great question. I would say abortion is one of the more almost split down the middle issues in the world of the libertarian uh, party or the liberty movement okay dave smith to answer your question dave smith he's a comedian a jewish comedian he will probably be the presidential candidate for the libertarian party in 2024 he is pro-life Okay, now Larry, Larry Sharp, who I've had on the podcast multiple times in the past, he is, he would describe himself as being more pro-choice. However, he, he wants limitations on uh, uh, abortions and he wants to promote the idea of not needing a, a prescription for uh, certain types of birth control, things like that. And he wants to know exactly what the laws are, what the line is, as to when you can no longer have an abortion. So my answer is, it goes both ways within the Libertarian Party, but I do think as much, or arguably even more so than the Democrats or Republicans, if you ask a Libertarian about their thoughts on the abortion issue, you're going to get a pretty well thought out answer. Gotcha. Yeah, so... That's pretty big news. Um, you know, it's it's funny how the media frames this. You know, Ro, uh, Roe v. Wade was always a controversial decision, especially for back in its day. And um, it'll be interesting to see where things go. I, what people don't realize is, uh, you know, they, they, they took this out of the court's hands, or, or the court took it out of their hands, and they placed it upon us, the people. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, they want to say, oh, the Supreme Court wants to, to ban this. No, they placed it back upon the people to make that choice. And as you said, it could be at the state level. But uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, Democrats own the House, they own the Senate, and they own the presidency. And they tried to pass uh, a bill, uh, an abortion bill, to actually have legislation, and uh, it failed. And... Um, that's always interesting to me, you know, so uh, I don't know. What do you think about all that? Wow. I mean, when it talks, I love how we're doing the format of this po this episode because I did not know what the topic was going to be, but I think that's great. We're both sharpening our uh, conversation skills and that type of stuff I think is awesome. Very divisive issue. My answer would be, to be honest, Tim, I personally am anti-abortion however i do think i lean probably a little bit more pro choice and what i mean by that is 
as long as my tax dollars are not going toward it, and we know that it's whatever, maybe first trimester or whatever the, the, the description is, I'm not at all going to tolerate or pretend that I support some of this stuff where you can abort the baby up until the day that it, before it's born or even after the day it's born. To me, that's absolutely horribly inhumane. Um, I am anti-abortion, but I think politically, if I were running for office, I would say I'm more pro-choice. It is a very controversial issue. And I think a lot of people on the left really screw up or the progressive side of things, they really screw up their argument with this. And what I mean by that is I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I guess you don't care about, you know, incest or rape or, you know, an instance where the mother might pass away from giving birth. If that was what they were pushing for, Tim, I think people such as yourself and probably myself and more people would be likely to be like, okay, we can pass some we can pass some laws that if if there is a you know a horrible instance where an uncle had raped his niece or you know something horrible like that that maybe we could have some leniency with something like that possibly but I, I think the progressives in our country get so emotional not just about this topic but about pretty much every topic that comes up that it's really difficult to de- decipher exactly what we're even discussing here because there's so many, it's such a nuanced topic. I mean, uh, um, you know, what, what type of abortions are we even talking about? I don't know if that's an adequate or a good uh, uh, response, Tim, but that's kind of in a nutshell, my feelings. Yeah. So I'm kind of similar, you know, I am definitely, would like to see uh, more of a pro-life and not see abortion used as a means of birth control, especially nowadays with with our our technology, with with prescription drugs, and the different types of birth control methods that we have. But I'm with you on that. Uh, you know, uh, first trimester. Um, you know, I'd probably be okay with something like that. But I'll tell you, in this last bill, I don't know if you had an opportunity to, to hear what was in it that the Democrats uh, had proposed. But it was basically uh, a woman could abort her child, you know, regardless of its, of its physical state, right up to the day before it was getting ready to be born. That's horrible. I, I if that's, if that's yeah. accurate, Tim, and I, I'm 100% taking your word for it, I have not seen it, then yeah, that's super messed up. Another thing I don't like is it's a woman's body, a woman's choice. I'm not a deadbeat dad, Tim, are you? No, not at all. Okay, so who who the hell is to say that we shouldn't have a say? If we have sex with a woman, we we are going to take ownership of that kid, not only the day that it's born, but then throughout the rest of its life. Why the hell shouldn't a man also have a say in the instance? So I don't mean to cut you off there, Tim, but I know that's a random thought, but what was in that bill? Well, I, you know, like I said, I, I really focused on a few things that stood out to me. I, I was listening to the news, and it's, as you know, I really try to avoid the news, but sometimes, you know, this with this one, it was inevitable. Um, I'm not sure what it was. might have been ABC. It was one of the uh, ABC or CBS. I can't remember which, but they were just talking about how they couldn't get Joe Manchin over because of, of things like that. Uh, you know, aborting the baby right up to the day before, you know, uh, she's getting ready to conceive. And, uh, you know, there were some other controversial issues in there, but that was the one that I focused on the most. And I just, I don't know how people don't look at that and think how barbaric that is. <laughs> you know, I mean, they don't just pull them out. I mean, they dismember them. I mean, that's a, that, that, that baby could live outside of that, that woman at that point. And I just, I don't know. It's, it's, I think liberals get, like you said, they get so emotional that they can't see the forest through the trees. And, and I think most Americans probably fall somewhere around like me and yourself, somewhere in the middle. You know, they, they uh, in cases of incest and rape and things of that nature, you know, by no means would I want my daughter to have, to have the child of, of a rapist, you know. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they just, it's all or nothing with them. And, and, and there's no in-between. A hundred percent. I agree. And I know I'm repeating what I said earlier, but I really don't like the rhetoric that it's a woman's body, a woman's choice. Okay. There are many deadbeat dads out there and I'm going to keep harping on this. I am not 
nor will I ever be a deadbeat dad. I, I'd like to take pride in the, actually the opposite, that I'm a good father. At least I'm as good of a father as I'm able. You know, I try. Um, so I do not know how in the hell men, and I hate to use such you know, aggressive verbiage, but I'll use air quotes when I say men, um, can chant woman's body, woman's choice when, I mean, you have to, I mean, it's, if it's consensual sex, you both know what you're getting into and a man should take ownership of his kid. So, I mean, the whole thing is, is a, a very nuanced topic. And I think that the, the messaging is really difficult to distinguish exactly what the hell people are talking about here. Yeah, for sure. I really like what you said about um, the fact that the federal government has no business um, using taxpayer dollars, especially for funding as such. And I agree with that 100%. Really been focusing lately, I'm going to kind of switch this up a little bit on, on spending. And the one that pops into mind is, uh, how about uh, old Rand Paul um, not uh, not go, uh, voting for the Ukrainian aid bill because there was no oversight. I don't know if you paid attention to that. I did see that. And Rand Paul and Thomas Massey, basically more consistent, Tim, with the ongoing conversation you and I have had, and that has been, I have recently voted libertarian. I voted for Joe Jorgensen in 2020. Tim, you've been saying to me ever since I met you, Kelly, I like the idea of the Libertarian Party. I like the liberty, or more so, I like the liberty messaging, and I like the, the principles that go into being a libertarian, but it seems the most effective way to impact our country in a liberty-centric way is through the probably through the Republican Party. And just as you said, you know, Thomas Massey voted against it for Congress, and then when it got to the Senate, I'm sure Rand Paul would like to have simply declined the entire bill entirely, but instead he did what he could and he voted to say, hey guys, why haven't we included a clause where we have to have some type of oversight where this, what is it, Tim, was it 38 or $40 billion? More than, did you know that's more than the, the Russian government spends on their military in an entire year? We just gave to Ukraine last month. And Rand Paul now says, guys, are we even going to monitor what's going to happen with this money? Yeah, he was wanting an inspector general appointed to watch that. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I watched that and I followed that. And I, I like that idea. It, it's something um, that's probably the number one thing that's rung out for me with the Libertarian Party. And you're right. I, I've told you that. I get to this point where I've got these two butter knives. When it comes to election time, you know, am I going to stick this butter knife in the 480 volts and electrocute myself by voting for socialists? Or do I stick it over here and I keep voting for these, these uh, well, I call them in the Republican Party, these rhinos, um, like Mitch McConnell. Like, I'd like to see him go. But, uh, you know, it, 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 you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I think the most effective thing for libertarians to do is to do what liberals have done to the Democratic Party and just infiltrate the Republican Party and make them make them be what they're supposed to be, what a lot of them profess that they are, but they're not, and that's conservative. Um, they, they say that all the time, but, man, they're signing off on some major bills that, that aren't even paid for with taxpayer dollars. You know, it's, it's printed money or, or they get the money from bonds. So that's been one of the, my main focuses and probably the biggest reason why I've really started uh, following some of your shows, especially when you have these different uh, libertarians on. Mr. Williams, uh, that was pretty interesting. Boy, the Augustus one, we talked about that a little bit. That was really interesting. Wow. Too. Tim, tell me what you think about that. Because when some people say libertarian, if you're like a progressive Democrat and you hear someone say libertarian, you automatically, some of those people automatically assume radical, you know, racist and things like that. So I wanted to reach out and interview someone who had a track record of actually saying, you know, racist things. And I found one. All right, Tim, what are your thoughts on that Augustus Invictus episode? So he was interesting. I think he was uh, a smart guy. Uh, I, 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 I did find him interesting to listen to some of his points of view. 
Yeah, it's disturbing when you have somebody who has some of the thought patterns that you were bringing up on him. He really didn't want to really come right out and tell you, but he kind of came out and told you sort of in a roundabout way. Yeah, I did say those things. Um, but I, I found it really interesting. I found it interesting that he was basing it upon um, the way things were written way back when our founders first founded this country. So that, I found that to be the most interesting, about, especially the with uh, people of color owning property. Um, I thought that was really interesting. But uh, he was an interesting one. I really liked Williams. Now, I think with the Williams guy, and I don't want to go back and forth on you, but the Williams okay. guy. Brian one of, Mick Williams, I believe. Does that sound right? Yeah, they, Mick Williams. Yes, okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. So him, he was interesting. If, if I got them straight in my head, because I've listened to quite a few of these individuals, I think he was the one who was talking about as long as people aren't getting hurt, libertarians are good with it. Was that the same is this the same person that said that? And then I was, I was asking you questions about drug use and things of that nature. That, that I believe, is what Brian McWilliams was saying. Um, although the non-aggression principle, the NAP, is a main tenant of the Libertarian Party and the Liberty Movement. So it could have been someone else. But yeah, I believe it was Brian McWilliams who was discussing that. That is one of the main things. And that comes to foreign policy and uh, also domestic policy for the Libertarian Party. Yeah, so on that one, I, I believe I was texting you back and forth afterwards about that. And, uh, you know, I like that. I think we get ourselves involved in a lot of wars. I love the fact that Trump hammered down the other night. He was, uh, he was at a rally, and, and he had brought up the fact that, uh, you know, George W. Bush got us into these wars. Um, and, and needlessly, the, the Iraq war, you know, talking about the weapons of mass destruction and a country that really didn't, you know, they weren't, uh, that's not where Osama bin Laden was hiding. He was in Afghanistan. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like that. I don't know if you heard that. He, he was at one of his rallies and he really, really pounded way at him for that. I, I did not hear that, but, and I'll be critical of Trump when necessary, um, but you're right, Tim. He, he, he has the, the correct rhetoric when it comes to war. But keep in mind, Obama had great anti-war rhetoric. The difference is Trump did not actually start any new wars. So criticize him all you want. Obama um, was just bombing the shit out of several Middle Eastern countries throughout his entire presidency. And, I mean, it just goes on and on. If you look into it, the... the the destruction and the number of lives that were lost thanks to the Obama administration. Trump actually didn't even start any new wars. He actually ended them. He brought them, brought them to a close. But he doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, something too, you know, I'm jumping all over the place, but these are all things that have been on my mind. I remember you talking about uh, one of the things you're upset with Trump over was the fact of him, um, signing these bills that were not funded, like the stimulus bill during COVID. Mm -hmm. And that kind of thing has really made me start thinking about um, the financial aspect, especially the libertarian stance on that. And, you know, to go back to what my original statement was, I just, uh, for those people who don't know, one of my problems is, is I don't have any issues voting for a libertarian now. I know more and more about how they, you know, what they stand for, but you get this one vote. And I told you, I mean, having the right to vote, you're not wasting it. But when you have that right to vote and it's this, what we've got now with Biden or something different, I just can't, I, it, I have a hard time voting for somebody who I think they don't have a chance of winning. That's why I think they should, in, I, I just really believe they should just infiltrate the Republican Party. That's a fair argument, and I've thought about you recently, Tim, because many people within the libertarian world or the liberty movement, such as a guy named Mark Clare. Mark Clare started a podcast, I think it was about 12 years ago, called Lions of Liberty. So he's one of the more prominent uh, voices in the liberty movement, 
and he has hosted all these debates. Dave Smith, the guy who's going to run for president, he has debated many other libertarians on Mark Coyer's podcast. I'm interviewing Mark tomorrow, which will be on Monday, May 16th, 2022. But Mark, everybody always assumed he loved the idea of voting for a libertarian for president. Well, he came out about a week ago, Tim, and he made it very clear he's basically what's called a post-libertarian. And the argument would be the utopian idea of libertarianism in a libertarian government is almost as unattainable or uh, um, unrealistic or almost ridiculous as like some socialist utopia. So although we can agree we need to cut back on spending, we, we need to shrink the size of government, guys like Milton Friedman and uh, uh, Mises and all these great Austrian and, and uh Economic School of Chicago, all these great economists, they have great ideas and they all make sense. And yeah, we need to implement them as often as possible. You're right. Like you were saying, Tim, it's not very realistic. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a post-libertarian. I'm not. But I look forward to chatting with Mark Clare tomorrow about this. And, you know, that's, that's an ongoing thing. As you can imagine, the people who are all in with the Libertarian Party are not happy when someone then turns their back on them. I mean, Ron Paul ran for president as a libertarian in 1988, but Mm -hmm. when he got most famous was in 2008 and 2012 when he, just like you said, he ran as a Republican both times. Now his son, Rand, of course, is a Republican, really a libertarian, but he's under the Republican umbrella. Yeah, and look at the success that they've had. Uh, You know, I've really paid attention to Rand Paul. I follow him. And in the process of following him, I've gotten to know his, his father's uh, views. And what's crazy is when you go back and you listen to what Ron Paul was saying, it's all happening right now as we speak. I mean, everything he said would happen, it's happening. And so that's why my interest is, it has peaked. And, um, you know, like I said, it's just, that's my biggest thing. I'd love to see them come in and, and, and make a great correction to what I believe a party that really needs it right now, which is a Republican party. I look at some of the Republicans out there right now, McConnell, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Murkowski. They're, you know, these aren't Republicans. These are, these are just politicians. (laughs) You know, they, they, uh, they call themselves that, but they're not, they're, they're big spenders. I'm with you. There's many. Yeah, many uh, more too. Oh, I know it goes on and on. Um, I was at that Rand Paul event a few weeks ago. Yanni and I got to meet Rand Paul, and we have that wonderful backstory. When Yanni, uh, the first book or the first anything that she read that was anti-socialism or anti-communism was Rand Paul's book, which was titled The Case Against Socialism. We got to meet him. It was amazing. And at that same event, Thomas Massey was there. He spoke. I absolutely loved what he had to say. But Mitch McConnell was there too. And I was telling Yanni, I don't care if Mitch McConnell walks up to me and says, hey, Kelly, can I get a photo with you? I'm going to polite. I'm not going to do anything, you know, real bad or say anything even mean i'll politely decline no if i'm going to support the republican party in any capacity whatsoever it is not career politician uh hypocrites like mitch mcconnell so i'm right there with you so i don't know what the exact answer is here uh rand's father ron paul wrote the book end the fed I think that was in the mid-2000s. I'll see when that was. But, I mean, you're right. It's all come into fruition. Um, and the, the libertarian view on things, I know it sounds, you know, narcissistic because I love, I, I'm a big fan of it. But, I mean, they just get most things right. They do. I mean, that's just about, or the most important things, right? I mean, you can uh, uh, squabble over foreign policy here and there or a couple topics. I get it. But I mean, the Federal Reserve and the inflation that is impacting us all. I mean, if you look back throughout history, like uh, let's look right before the Nazis took over Germany, the economy there and the currency 
was they were messing with it, okay? When you start doing that throughout history, what happens is not good. It does not lead to good places. When you have financial instability in your country, it opens the door for some not-so-pleasant new leadership to come into power. And I, I really don't like the, the inflation, and I don't like anything that we're doing with, with our dollar right now. And, and the libertarians, they predicted this a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a default of Republicans and Democrats combined. And was it you that, or it was you or one of the guests described it, said that Democrats are carelessly and recklessly speeding. And yeah. Republicans now are driving 80 in a 65. Yeah, you know, I, I so. think someone quoted Michael Malice, who Michael Malice uh-huh. famously describes himself as an anarchist, but he's not the the Noam Chomsky type of anarchist who's a communist. He's an anarchist who does not believe in government. Michael Malice is amazing. I love him. But he, one of his most famous quotes is, Republicans are just Democrats driving the speed limit. So Democrats are going nuts with the spending. They're saying, let's spend 100000 no 200 no 300 Let's spend a trillion dollars in a bill and this. And Republicans are like, let's slow down. And instead of doing that, let's only make that bill for 70% of what you initially proposed. I mean, uh, we're screwing up our economy. We are. And, and Republicans are not stopping it. They're simply trying to slow it down. Yeah. Yeah, so that's been interesting. And then I'm going to jump again on you here because there's been so much since the last time we met. But you had me uh, watch a debate, and that debate was between two gentlemen. One of them you had on your podcast. Forgive me because these names, they just escaped me. Yeah, Wilfred Wilfred Riley is a, a professor at Kentucky State University. Yep, Wilfred Riley. And, and so one of them was arguing that diversity makes us stronger. And then the other one was arguing that uh, diversity actually has hindered um, the growth and the stability. Or if I'm, I, hopefully I'm not messing that up. Of, no, that sounds about, our, about right. One was, one was pro diversity. And then another guy had the balls. His name's Jared Taylor. He's one of the top alt-right personalities. I would love to interview him. He sounds he sounds a little crazy. I've watched a couple of his interviews and debates. Um, yeah. Jared Taylor, he was arguing he's basically a white nationalist. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, it, but it was interesting some of the things that he pulled up. I, you know, of course, I believe that you know, when you look at me, heck, I am diversity, but when, <laughs> when you know, this, what he was saying in many cases, had some truth to it. I'm not saying that it was the truth, Mm -hmm. but there were some truths to it. It was just the way that he was using it. For example, he talked about, you know, if diversity is so great, these are great questions, if diversity is so great, then why is it that whites predominantly live with other whites, Mm -hmm. uh, Hispanics live predominantly with other Hispanics, and blacks live with predominantly with other blacks, if diversity is so great, wouldn't we want to spread ourselves around? And he used that analogy many times. He talked about neighborhoods. He talked about in politics. He talked about, I mean, he even talked about it in prison. You know, he, people get sent to prison. My gosh, if you're white, you don't go over into the, you know, you, you don't go uh, hang out with the, with the black uh, inmates. And if you're black, you don't, you know, Go hang out with the white inmates. I thought that was really interesting, listening to him. And then the data that he was using, because he had data, and the data that he was using. I'm not saying I agree with him. I I just thought that that was really an interesting debate. Uh, I'm there with you 100%. That guy's fascinating. Someone who who truly believes that, like, all the minorities should get out of our country. For some reason, that, that... I'm not saying that I'm attracted to those ideas. I'm saying I'm intrigued. And you know what's interesting about that guy? Once again, his name is Jared Taylor. You can do a, a quick search for him on YouTube or, or Google. He was raised, Tim, do you know where he was raised? No. He was raised due to some military uh, work his, his parents were doing. He was raised in 
Japan. No kidding. <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. I think from age zero through 16, he lived as the only white kid in a city in Japan. You tell me, what can we take from that based on what you know about Japanese culture? Yeah, so, you know, Japanese culture, a lot of people don't realize is they are, they have been over, well, let me just say this. I'm into genealogy. And so uh, I, I do different DNA tests. like to see, you know, um, with that DNA, who my relatives are. It's been really interesting. I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole other show. But with regards to my mother, who's Japanese, her DNA came back. She's 100%. And there's a reason for that. The Japanese do not believe in mixing. They absolutely, it is, it is, and, and I, I'm not saying that modern day Japanese, I'd say it's still probably frowned upon. But uh, in my mom's case, when she married an American, uh, especially my father, uh, she was shunned. And um, so he grew up in that as this, this, this outsider, this gaijin, and, and this outsider in Japan. And uh, I'll bet you that had a lot to do with the way he, he feels, you know. But uh, I don't know. That would be an interesting one for you to get him in on a podcast and ask him that. Yeah. No, you know, I've heard an interview with him. For some reason, this shit really does intrigue me, Tim. I don't know why. I kind of ident- I, I do. I identify as a libertarian. And some people associate the Libertarian Party with being like white nationalists and shit like that, which I haven't picked up on at all within the Libertarian Party. So I started searching for these people. And Jared Taylor, he's very famous. He's not, he does not back down. I'll give him that. <laughs> he went to Kentucky. Yeah. He went to Kentucky State University in Frankfurt. And he, being a white guy, went to a historically b- black college or university. And he had that debate against a black professor that diversity is bad. I mean, I'm, I'm like, what the hell? It's amazing. Or I'm not saying it's good. It's just fascinating. But he has denied in other interviews that him being born and raised from zero ages zero to 16 in Japan, he denies that that has anything to do with his opinions about diversity. I don't know if, you know, I, I find that kind of hard to believe between you and I. Um, yeah. but that's what he says, at least. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I really like this. This episode is great, in my opinion, Tim. You've, you've been following some of the, the crazy uh, interviews I've done, and, and I get to hear some of your, your feedback on them. You know what's fascinating and I'm working on is I think this upcoming week, fingers crossed, I'm going to be in, interviewing a black Israelite. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know too much about them. I'm looking to learn, but my understanding is they believe they are the original, uh, I guess, Jews from Israel or I I don't, I don't want to butcher it. And my goal with every guest I have is I want to be respectful to them and try to learn. But I, I think that would be very fascinating just to, you know, just to try to hear, because even that Jared Taylor, or the Augustus Invictus type stuff yeah. that you, you and I both listen to, we're not, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm married to a Cuban woman who's like a quarter African. Um, yeah. So I like diversity. I do. Um, but it is fascinating to hear what they have to say. Yeah. Yeah, that Jared Taylor, he sparked one in me, you know, and it, and it is really what he was saying. Like I said, there are these small truths, and it, it really is true that most of your inner cities, when you go there, it's divided up via race and it's, and it's self imposed. And, um, but that was really interesting, especially, you know, that, you know, me growing up the way that I did, um, you know, I, I used to tell people, you know, when that, when that Ahmaud Arbery, when the news goes off saying things like, Oh, he was shot jogging while black in a white neighborhood. You know, that's that kind of thing. That's the media. And that's what the media does to put to make us get at each other's throats. Uh, when, when deep in, you know, deep down, when, you know, these are two yahoos that, that got what was coming to them, um, who, who chased some guy around with, in their truck with, with shotguns because, you know, he was going in some house. But, but the truth of the matter is, 
wasn't shot while jogging. You know, it was it was a freaking lie. There was a camera of him walking around. He wasn't jogging through the neighborhood. And to be really honest, you can if you could be Mexican and you could go jog back home in a, in a black part of town, and you are going to get assaulted. If you are black and you go to the Latino side of town, you are probably going to get assaulted. If you are white, you go to either of those areas. What that man was saying, there was a lot of truth to it. This happens every day, but we seem to only focus on these these rare instances. And by gosh, it makes the national news. But nobody talks about this stuff happening every single day because it does happen every single day. You know, gangs are largely uh, segregated via race in these inner cities. And uh, there's nothing, uh, you know, those were the little truths that I was listening to this guy. I think that would be a great one if you could get them on. I'd listen to that for sure. Jared Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, um, I, I would really like to get him on. I don't know what attracts me to the, the, the real, you know, crazy, yeah, <laughs> crazy shit, well, but it's intriguing. I'm certainly not saying I agree with him. I'm just saying that he was using data and truth to try to back up his side of the debate. And, even though I don't agree with him, I, 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 you have to, when you listen to what he's saying, he is saying some things that are truthful. You know, I mean, he's not just making stuff up. He was, he, he, I mean, that's the truth. That when you go into a lot of these inner cities, we divide ourselves up by race. Well, why is it? It's self-imposed. But yet we're trying to uh, sell this, uh, that diversity is this great thing. And, and then he was using other instances too about, um, you know, trying to get uh, uh, affirmative action. He was talking about affirmative action. I thought that was really interesting. And, and how, you know, how is that good to diversify your workforce if you're not just going out and hiring the most qualified person and the best person? If you're just looking to diversify, how is that getting the best product in the end? But I like the other guy, how he would come out with uh, his, uh, you know, his rebuttal. I thought it was pretty good. I don't want to ruin it. Somebody can go listen to the podcast and, and, and take it for themselves. But Yeah. Um, you know what sucks is someone like Jared Taylor, obviously a very intelligent guy, has done his homework, not an idiot. He can get paired up with, and there's an interview. If you look on YouTube, Tim... He gets paired up with some uh, Arabic. I think maybe she's Pakistani or something, but some super progressive, woke, female interviewer, okay? Yeah. And, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> a super sharp guy like that against some just absolutely woke leftist maniac, he's going to make her look like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That doesn't he uses mean, that a lot doesn't, of data. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. That doesn't mean that he, you know, that diversity is is a, a bad thing or anything like that. But it, I forget the name of it. I'm trying to find it. But it was an Arabic woman. It looks like she's probably lives in the United States and maybe born to uh, Arabic parents here. But she was interviewing yeah. him and just saying, you're racist this, you're racist that. And he was just handling it. Uh, it sounds like I'm supporting a white nationalist by saying this. But I mean, if you watch the interview, it, he if it's a debate, he handled himself relatively well. And he provided only facts. He didn't say I'm racist. He said, you know, if my daughter is friends with a minority, that's up to her. She should be allowed to, but we should not fly the flag of diversity like it's everything. And yeah. uh, uh, we should instead pay attention to human tendencies. And, and we should, he describes himself as not a white nationalist. He describes himself as a race realist. Okay. Now, once again, my wife is Cuban. I, I love my stepdaughter. You know, she's, of course, Cuban. They're both about a quarter African and, and then a bunch of Spanish. And I don't even need to, I feel silly even needing to prove this, but it's very fascinating yeah. that Jared, oh, another thing he said, you got me started on this. <laughs> They've uh, been good ones, huh? Oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. But he said in one of the interviews I watched with him, someone said, who do you like for president? He said, oh, I like Trump. They said, do you think Donald Trump feels the same way you do about race? And he said, 
I have no reason to believe that he does. He has come out repeatedly and said things like that he loves Hispanics and that he loves black people and things like that. Um, The reason Jared Taylor says he liked Trump was because Trump was a nationalist or a populist, not a white nationalist. He never has advocated for any separatist type of, of policies or anything like that. But he clearly said that he had never talked to Trump. He has absolutely no reason to believe that he shares the same views about race as Donald Trump does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. That, I think I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting one. And, and, and again, yeah, you know, it's funny. We even have to throw the preface out there. When I say that, I find it interesting. We're talking about this. Somebody, some outsider will listen to the two of us and they're like, Oh heck, this Brown guy, he don't even like himself. And, Kelly's the racist, you know, they find this guy to be interesting. Here, here's the, here's the thing. You have to learn to listen to what people are saying. And I, I, and I really listened to that man. And I thought to myself, my gosh, I, you know, he's right about these inner cities, but I took it more as a challenge. Not that he's right. I mean, he was using truths. I mean, he had the data and, and he was right. We segregate ourselves. We are self-segregated, but I look at it more as a challenge as to, so these people really think this way. Well, I don't want to be that way. And so I, I, I looked at it as a personal challenge. I really want to, it's almost like you got to know your enemy in order to defeat them. And uh, so that's how I kind of took all of that. Not that he's my enemy or whatever. It's just, he was an interesting person. He had a lot of interesting things. And how do you educate yourself unless you're willing to listen to some completely different angle and point of view and really listen to it for what it was? A hundred percent. The topic of racism in our country is so fascinating. My daughter said to me the other day, she said, I think a car was following us. I was driving home. She said, I think a car, it was my stepdaughter said, I think a car was following us. It, it was a couple Indian guys. She said that. Mm -hmm. And then she said, I don't want to sound racist, but I think it was a couple Indian guys. And no one was following us. She was simply pointing out that someone had coincidentally been behind us for a while. Okay. Yeah. And I had, I said to her, Hey, just so you know, you saying that there were a couple Indian guys is not racist. You know, I think some of the narrative that is pushed is sometimes if you mention someone is black or uh, Asian or um, Hispanic, that that's racist. Okay, so if we're pushing that message, I think we're really doing a disservice to, I guess, the youth or everyone in our country, because that simply saying that is not racism. I mean, if anyone actually thinks that saying, oh, they were uh, Indian, that that's racism, I'm like, what the hell? Where are we even at? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's where we are. It really is. That is where we're at. It, it's getting really ridiculous. Um, you know, and then you have these cases of real racism and it just gets, it gets lost in the, in the noise. People have become numb to it because it's so overused. It's the number one thing that, that, that liberals, uh, you know, that they want to hit you with when they don't have an argument, they just hit you with you're a racist or a bigot. It's, it's bizarre. Rand Paul literally signed, he's the senator who sponsored the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act to end no-knock raids by the police. As yeah. he was going into Congress, or I think it was when he was coming out, he was harassed by Black Lives Matter protesters who were chanting and screaming at him, say her name, say her name. And they were calling him racist. And if you look on Twitter, everyone's Mm -hmm. calling him racist. I guess it's just because he's a Republican. That's probably literally the only reason. But he was there that day because he's the... (laughs) Tim, I I mean, you can't make this shit up. He was the one who presented the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act. It's very bizarre. Yeah, that's pretty good. I remember that. Yeah, you're right, but that's that's what they want to use, and, and that's what they throw at you. Um, but yeah, that's fascinating. There was something else I wanted to go into. Um, I'm going to jump back over to Augustus. So, white nationalist, libertarian, you found him. But you know what's so interesting was? Is 
his kids were mixed. Um, Hispanic, white, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He had he has four, I think he has like nine children, but four or five of his biological children are half Puerto Rican. So half, you know, they're very, I've seen pictures of them. I'm very fascinated by Augustus, fascinated by mm-hmm. Augustus Invictus also. But yeah, he has four or five of his kids are, you know, brown. Yeah. Interesting, wasn't it? That whole thing. I thought that was yeah, and, and I disagree, uh, just like Jared Taylor. I simply disagree with Jared Taylor, and I simply disagree with Augustus Invictus because, as you said, Tim, I asked him, I think I went back to it like three times on the episode. I said, so while you were campaigning for president, you said only white males should be allowed to own property in our country. Do you regret that? And he said, no, I don't regret saying that. And I'm just like, what the hell's going on here? You know, I'm, I, I didn't, yeah. I'm not going to come out and say, well, you're a racist. I hate you. I didn't do that. Um, but it, it's, no. it's fascinating. And he, he ended up being a big Trump supporter. And, and he, yeah. he didn't really, he doesn't describe himself as a libertarian. So, I mean, it's, a, it's fascinating. At one point, he called himself a libertarian. I listened to a podcast interview with Augustus Invictus from... I think 2012 or something like that. And that episode I found from 10 years ago, he sounded just like your run-of-the-mill libertarian. I don't know what happened, but he had some, he was describing some pretty good decentralization type platforms, some good stuff. Um, but clearly at some point he, he <laughs> I don't know, man, he went off the rails. He was going to be one of those keynote, a keynote speaker for that, Unite the Right rally, the Charlottesville thing. He was scheduled to be one of the guys who spoke. It didn't end up happening because, of course, it was a shit show. But he was, yeah. at one point, him and Jared Taylor are a couple of the faces of what is actually the alt-right. Yeah, so interesting. I'm glad you had them on. So you're going to start getting some of the other perspective. You should get a, a black nationalist and it'd be interesting to see uh, some of their point of view. And, and, you know, and this is how you learn. This is, that, that, that's the problem right now is we just, we want to shout these people down. We want to silence them, not listen to them. doesn't mean you have to agree with them. I don't. But I just found it so interesting listening to them that I learned what I didn't want to be. And, and I learned that I want to prove them wrong. Sure. You, you know what I mean? 100%. So, also, I learned from it that, yeah, some libertarians or people who at least call themselves libertarians are actual racists. So I don't want to sound naive and walk around and say, oh, everyone who calls libertarians is an idiot, uh, racist is an idiot, because I, it's important for me to know that there is actually some substance to that, or at least was. I'm not saying it's a... Uh, an actual racist organization or anything like that, that would be a, an extreme exaggeration. But it yeah. is important to see both sides. I 100% uh, agree. And I do appreciate you acknowledging it. I've had a lot of, of trouble finding a black nationalist. So, you know, I, I do Twitter searches for hashtag black Israelites. And I've had a couple oh. people who were pretty close to coming on and then they kind of backed off that type deal. But it's difficult. Yeah. This is not easy, Tim, as you can imagine. <laughs> I, well, a lot, I spend many hours trying to find these guests. Well, so a lot of them just don't want to be attacked. You, you know what I mean? They want to be able to say what they want to say. This is America. You might not agree with them, but the way, I, the way you handled the Augustus interview, I just thought it was really good. Um, it does no good just attacking somebody like some, like you said, uh, the, the one lady attacked uh, Jared Taylor. Nobody gains anything from that. What you do is you let them talk. And if they dig themselves a hole, you let them go ahead and dig the hole. You don't have to shout them down. Let it, let their own words dig the hole for them. But at the same time, uh, people need to listen to them so that you can learn in, in many instances of, of, geez, man, there's people actually believe this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, you prove them false. Thank but, you. Uh, Thank you very much for the, the compliment. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, so if you do get them on, let them talk. 
You know, let them talk. Don't shout them down. Don't be the don't be the other side. You, you wouldn't do that anyway. But uh, that's what I appreciate about it. Let letting people talk. Let them get it off their, you know, get it off their chest. If they dig a hole, they dig a hole. Let them dig. I have interviewed Doctor Asitar Bear, who is a um, uh, a, a political um, or he's some type. I forget what it is, but he's some type of a professor at a, a college in California. Once again, his name is Asitar Bear. I'll bring it up here real quick. But I've interviewed him twice, um, Tim. And yeah, he's a professor of economics. He describes himself as a communist. I've interviewed him twice. He came, he came on the podcast and defended Joseph Stalin on wow. this show. And I didn't argue with him. I'm interested. Yeah. Well, that's how you learn. But nowadays, you can't learn anything because, boy, people just get really... I think this has got to be... We have evolved. I was just having this discussion here. I taught an industry class for a local company. I won't say their name. But we were just talking about these latest generations of, of young people. And these have got to be the most offended, the most pampered, individuals on the face of the planet right now. They have no idea what hard times are. I mean, they really don't. And even my generation, um, you know, my, my parents were a World War II generation. I I am a child. Uh, I was born in 1967, so you could say that I'm a child of the Vietnam War generation. But what our grandparents have done for us, or great-grandparents have, have laid down for us in this great country of ours is, is we are really um, pampered and spoiled. And right now, the, just the crap that I, I watch and I listen to, the things that hurt them, the th- just, my gosh, they're just a bunch of, I mean, forgive me, but they're just a bunch of, you know, pusses. Yeah, I, say, say, whatever, I just, say whatever you want. I, I, when I hear someone like Bernie Sanders, admittedly, this is where I do sound partisan. When I see a tweet from Bernie Sanders talking about the horrible poverty in the United States. And then I get to talk to my wife, Yanni about what she actually experienced growing up in Cuba and in the poverty she experienced there. I cannot help Tim, but to think this guy is a manipulative piece of shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't stand him. And to think that people actually support him, but, you know, when you listen to Joe Biden the other, I don't know if you listen to him. People just want the government to take care of them. I really believe he's starting to. If we don't, that's it's, this. These late, latest generations, a lot of these kids, they are just pampered, and and they want to be taken care of. And I'm like, oh my goodness, they wouldn't know a hard day's freaking work for nothing. Most of them, you know. And I just, I, I don't know. It's uh been a very interesting um interesting conversations that i've been having lately a few other people they i turned them on to your podcast they listened to a couple guys on the mma uh uh in my jiu-jitsu team there's a couple uh, libertarians on there they listen to it cody gibbons i'll give him a shout out he's a libertarian and uh he's always busting my chops on facebook so if you ever see him he's one of your fellow libertarians but uh, I love it. I, I would listening. love to talk to him someday. You know, this is not well, the Kelly Patrick show. It's not that not maybe one day it'll be a big deal, but I'm not to that point yet. So if someone's actually local and enthusiastic yeah. about these types of conversations, you know, I, I'd love to chat with them. Yeah. So and that's something else I, I told you. I have some other friends that are that are similar to me, you know, uh, an African-American uh, friend that I ride horses with. His name Sean. Uh, I've actually talked to him about maybe coming on and talking about things. He's a, he's a, he was a huge Trump supporter, still is. And um, it's interesting to hear that side of things. Um, but he's been listening, you know, and, and he listens. I, I talked to him about this spending problem. And, um, you know, and as you know, I was not a huge Trump fan early on. I was, uh, I liked Ted Cruz and I, I liked, um, uh, Marco Rubio, uh, Rubio, I kind of got a, 
I don't know. I kind of drifted away from him in the in the primaries. I just he was getting eat up by Trump, and he just seemed really thin skinned. I like Ted Cruz because he hung in there pretty tough. Uh, but you know, Trump was just uh, he just took it away from them all. It was kind of amazing when Trump and Marco Rubio started debating about who had the bigger dick. That had to be, I don't know, a low point or a high point, depending on how you look at it, in the history of American politics. I mean, I could not believe that shit. I mean, if you're talking entertainment value, Tim, nothing ever comes close to that. Also, Elon or whoever, bring Trump back on Twitter. I know he said he doesn't want to come on, but I mean, Trump is the most entertaining human in the history of humanity, and that's not really debatable, really, in my opinion. No, he was really, you know, like I told you, I reluctantly voted for him. There wasn't a chance in hell I was going to vote for Hillary Clinton. So when all my Republican uh, candidates that I like were gone and I was stuck with Trump, I've saved the Facebook posts. I'd go back to see if they're there and repost them. I just didn't like them. But Something about him, I remember when he had his first big big exchange. Oh, gosh, I'm not going to think of his name right now. You know I'm talking about, the reporter from CNN. Megan, uh, Megan Kelly. No, 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 not that one, the male. He was in the press corps. Acosta. Oh, okay, yes. When he told them to take Acosta's mic and started telling him he was fake news, the oh, very first time he did that, I was screaming, laughing out loud because I have never heard or I would have never dreamed that a Republican president would would say such things, you know, but it was he was right. You know, he just called it out. And and I don't know. He started to grow on me at that point. Um, And and a lot of people want to put him down. But he, you know, he said he was going to build walls. By God, he built walls. You remember him talking about U.S. Steel early on, and Obama said mm-hmm. what, that U.S. Steel will never have a comeback. What has he got, a, a magic wand? We'll, we'll never get manufacturing back. But, you know, he did. And, and now we got these new core steel plants. There's one being built up in uh, Breckenridge County. You know, there's another one being built. So all these things they said that he couldn't do or it was impossible. One thing about that guy well, of course, he had really thin skin. That's what hurt him. Mm-hmm. But one thing about him, he's very determined to back up what he said he's going to do. It's an ego thing. With If he says he's going to do it, he does everything he can to try to get it across the finish line. And uh, I, I found that to be uh, refreshing from a president. I did not like his, his thin skinness. I think a lot of his tweets hurt him. Um, I think if he would have let some of that stuff, uh, you know, just roll off his back, he, he'd probably still be there right now. But uh, or maybe not. I don't know. That whole election—that's a whole other story too. But wow. But uh, yeah, interesting time. I love it. Well, Tim, I, ri- I you know, as far as I'm concerned, you live what? How far away from me do you live? About an hour or so. Yeah, I live in Horse Cave. Okay, so you I live- like going up there, though. I like I like going up there. Well, we'll have to do another episode, or maybe one day Yanni and I will make a trip out to you. I can bring my equipment. Um, yeah, that'd be fun. But I live I, on a farm. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe sh- shoot some guns or something one of these days. Yeah, our, our Second Amendment right. Hell yeah. But I, I appreciate you coming on. And as far as I'm concerned, this episode was great because you get to help me recap some of the, the, the recent episodes you've enjoyed and in, in some of your feedback. So I think it's absolutely great. Once again, Timothy Cordova on Twitter. We need to get Timothy some followers, okay? <laughs> I show that you haven't done anything on Twitter. You did create no, it. No, I, I really I don't know how to use it really well, but yeah. You created an account. It says, according to what I'm looking at here, that you have one follower and it's Kelly Patrick as of right now. So that would That's be so funny. I'm the only follower, Timothy Cordova at Gingus1967. So G E N G H I 
S one nine six seven. If you're listening, give Tim a follow. Um, I, I, I'm confident, Tim. If you get into it over time, it's a process. You will enjoy uh, some of Twitter, Tim. I really appreciate you coming on. Before we wrap things up, do you have any closing uh, words of wisdom or plugs or anything like that you'd like to mention? No, I just appreciate being on. I I do like listening to MMA guys and give a shout out to that uh, gentleman you had, Ben Fowler. He's the owner of my favorite knockout, Manny. I'll never forget going to one of his matches. So, were you there? Big shout out to him. Yes, I was there. Wow, I was right at ringside too. It was tremendous. Probably one of my favorite fights I've ever seen. My son too. Fight. My son Johnny was there along with Johnny's my ex-wife's brother, so my son's uncle, and yeah. they were there. And you're right, Tim. Ben Fowler knocked out Derek Overstreet. Check it out on YouTube. I was doing the commentary, so I was cage side. That is one of the more memorable experiences I've ever had in MMA or really in anything. It was absolutely amazing because Ben Fowler had the dad bod and then this this uh, guy looking like, um, I don't know, just Thor. looked like Thor came out (laughs) and the dad bod guy scored a six second knockout. So absolutely amazing. I appreciate that, Tim. I really do appreciate the episode, Tim. Um, Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your evening. You too. Take care. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the Kelly Patrick show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. 